Thank you, as always, for listening to Fluff and Crunch. And thanks to a listener who pointed out that my intro here for this Conan Game Spotlight was actually the intro for Party Size. I have no idea how I screwed that up. I'm fixing it right now. So this episode is definitely about Conan. Thanks, as always. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Okay, so I feel so stilted in this, but we're still being intransigent and refusing to reintroduce ourselves and just saying, go back and listen to the first episode. Hello, Chris. Yeah, we want extra views. Hi, Jeremy. That's right. That's right. We want little numbers to stroke our ego. So. <laughs> All right. So have you done any gaming in the last week? And if so, what was it like? Uh, when did we last speak? Oh, I must have done. So yes, we finally, we, we started, I made Conan characters. Oh, And cool. we played... We played our first session, which we then, because we're using Conan Exiles, and Conan Exiles is kind of quite, you know, it's like a survival y thing. Yeah. So it's quite random. So it ended up being like a lot more cooperative. Like I made up a character. And so we kind of, we're like kind of hashing a map out together. And so, like, so Brian's drawing the map, and Scott's like tracking our resources, and I'm like running the bad guys. So it's. It's like a it's, combination of Conan and Forbidden Lands is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Conan Exiles like. The Conan Exiles was a sort of survival computer game, which they did a source book for. So, um, but I'm also on top of that, I'm tagging the League of Legends backgrounds onto it because that's what I want to do. So it's 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 essentially it is Conan. It's all the Conan rules and everything I've used is straight. I have made nothing myself other than the fact that their their countries they're from are league of legends countries and the languages they speak would be sort of league of legends but everything else is just straight out of the conan books so so uh yeah that quite quite well we kind of just found uh you start off in conan x i was literally nailed to, well not nailed to a cross we had this conversation but you're nailed to a cross that you're kind of screwed so tied to a cross okay. and then we got off got off the crosses and found a way and killed some things for food and then basically had to read the rules for it. How does the, how does the survival stuff work? How does resource work in this? How does finding more resources work in this? And trying to work out inconsistencies in the book, we didn't really understand it. But by the end of the session, we'd worked it out and then kind of go, right, well, if we, we're set up now, we ended the session with some some garden plots and some a, a little chicken farm, which was enough for our characters to be self-sufficient now. So we were like, right, we can do some other more interesting exploring next week rather than just doing lots of survival roles, trying to get enough wood to be able to <laughs> build the stuff we needed. But uh, yeah, that was, that was different. It was quite good fun. How about you? Uh, well, I have, you know, I have, I have three players right now. And so we did the first session of uh, Star Trek Adventures weekend before last. And then one of our players, dirty rotten science officer player, whose name will go unmentioned, uh, he decided that he was going to be in Las Vegas for the weekend instead of hanging out with us in my garage, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, so he, uh, we decided instead to just play some board games. So I taught the other two players who are a couple, uh, great people, taught them how to play slugfest games, Kung Fu fighting, which is a Hong Kong, uh, martial arts card game where you like do spinning, flipping kicks and throw people through rice paper walls. It's great. <laughs> And then they taught me how to play Dragon Inn, which I had never played, which was was kind of fun. It, it, same company, uh, and the, the the idea is that you were adventurers 
letting off steam at a tavern after your big adventure and you're trying you have you have a uh, uh, you have two different tracks you have your fortitude and you have how drunk you are and when those two meet as you attrit your fortitude and you increase your alcohol consumption when they two meet when those meet you, you're unconscious and so the last person standing wins the game and that was that was amusing that was fun and then i taught them how to play illuminati steve jackson games old um, oh, that's a great game oh yeah yeah, although it was it was unfortunate because one of my players he chose the uh, or ended up with the uh, servants of Cthulhu and realized all he had to do was just destroy groups, and so and then I was the Discordian Society, so I needed weird groups, and every weird group they, weird groups have like no power, and so every weird group he would he would draw a weird group and then immediately destroy it. I'm like, ah, you need weirdos, you know? He, he destroyed the the anyway it was. I remember getting that. This is one of the few GURPS books I got because they released a GURPS Illuminati, like Illuminati book for GURPS. So I bought that, which of course the GURPS stuff didn't make any sense, but all of the Illuminati stuff was uh, was good. It's good. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was it was a fun uh, it was a fun thing to do. Is like a as we call it a, a, a palate cleanser yeah. or just something to stand in. And I thought about doing. We thought about doing the. Uh, um, you know, like a holodeck, not a holodeck, but like a throwback adventure with two of the characters. He says, no, nah, it's okay. We'll just do, um, we'll just play something different. So hopefully we have the second part, which will be the, the, the third act of our first Star Trek Adventures episode uh, this Saturday. And then we'll, we'll add some other stuff and move into the next. We are not here to talk about Illuminati's uh, or anything like that. Well, no. Well, no, the Servants of Cthulhu, the, the Cthulhu stuff pops up in Conan. We're here to talk about Conan today. We are, which is appropriate because I'm actually playing Conan now. That's good. <laughs> I'm actually playing a 2D20 game. This is really handy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do a system spotlight, uh, or game spotlight, rather, on Conan. That is, like, the big picture. And, again, as we've established with Mutant Chronicles and Infinity, we're looking at what's in the core book only. We'll talk about, mention some of the things that are available otherwise, but the main focus here is what's what is it about the system, the setting, and the story that you could get from that 440-page PDF, uh, or slightly less than that if you get the physical copy, because it counts the covers. Uh, but we're going to talk about Conan today. So, yeah, let's go ahead and start off and talk about the system. What uh, what makes it what it is? What makes it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, and, uh, familiar and yet um, unique especially taking it alongside the last, the most recent couple of years of 2D20 games. So, yeah, we're back, we're back on the crunch. We're back on. We're still on the crunchy end of the spectrum. Um, this is very much a... It, it's, it's weird. It has a huge amount of similarities to Infinity because they released very, very close together. I mean, the Kickstarters were definitely within a year of each other and the books were showing up at a similar time. And just like Infinity... We've kind of only got the most, the final promised Conan books in the last sort of six months to a year or whatever. Might be longer than that. Now. It just feels like that long. Um, and then again, the Infinity books have just turned up. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, but then there are differences. It was actually some of these differences were only obvious to me when I started making the characters. But so we do still have seven attributes, the same seven as Infinity: uh, agility, awareness, brawn, coordination, intelligence, personality, willpower. And just like Infinity, we have skills which are based under those attributes, and we have an expertise rating and a focus rating. Yep. Um, 
so like so far so much like infinity uh, again we have if i'm jumping ahead but they'll come back to this one just go things that are really super similar to infinity uh, again we have like armor soaks and that's so where we have a hit location but that's the only thing we have a hit location with just the armor um, again we have sort of a physical and the mental sort of the stress tracks and then a, a one to five harm track as they call it again um so, you know, it's, it's it's super similar in that sense to it. But like, if you play, this is the thing, I got this in Infinity a very similar time. So there's a lot of, if you're learning one, learning the other one is super easy. Um, but when you actually go and look at it, there are things that are different in character creation. So it's similar in the sense that you have the, you know, you have like, what 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 planet are you from? But then this will be what country are you from? Yeah. You have a thing for your education. You have a war story. Um, but in this, the weird thing is you, your archetype, which is kind of the main thing that gives you your career skill, you get that halfway through character creation. And then you go and do your education and go on to do your war story. Whereas Infinity, you kind of did all your education stuff. And then you went on and did your, like your career um, uh, in Infinity was the last thing. And in Infinity, you had to pick a career and roll to get into it. Whereas in Conan, you basically go, oh, I want that one. You can roll, but you pretty much go that. And all of the stuff that we talked about the last two times about like life points and you could, if you didn't like your roll, you could pay points to roll and stuff. Conan's got rid of all that. It basically just says on every table, you can roll or you can just pick the results that you like. Yep. Um, so that's quite different. It has, you know, it's got a bit of less, you know, there are random tables there, but it's already starting to move away a bit from the life path thing of, sort of uh, Infinity and Meteor Chronicles, where almost like building a character as a game in its own right. You still get a good background for this. I mean, I made characters for Scott and Brian and myself by basically rolling on here and then tweaking it based on a few character elements. They said they wanted it, but mostly I would roll things. And if it didn't fit, I'd pick what I wanted, but I'd kind of stuck to the, some ideas they'd given me about like one of them said I wanted more, I want a sort of like a ranged sneaky guy. And the other one said, I want to be like an assassin-y jump in your face, but from stealth guy and... Um, so, you know, we kind of ended up with a bit random, but not fully random, which was quite cool. Um, but one thing that I totally forgotten about, and I thought was like, when you build an infinity character, you can end up with different scores for your expertise and focus, but focus cannot be higher than expertise. In Conan, that simplified that, but basically every time throughout the book, when you're making a character, if you get a point in a skill, so they like say stealth, you get one expertise and one focus. Mm -hmm. And they do that all the way through, which makes it so much like the character creation in Infinity ends up being a bit fiddly, having to track your expertise and focus differently. Here it was, oh, I'm always getting one point in each, which made that much simpler. And it means you also end up with like a decent focus in things, whereas Infinity frequently you have, you might have like four expertise, but only one focus and one focus is like a bit worthless or it feels like it. Um, yeah, you're not likely to generate, you know, I mean, you're, you're re relying on a one showing up. Yeah. Um, I think focus, some of the biggest, oh, go ahead. I was going to say focus in generally the newer systems is better. I think yeah, I Chronicles and an infinity like focus was kind of like, I think maybe they overestimated how useful it would be. And so made it really hard to come by. Whereas since then we've seen this approach to it with these three original games it doesn't, I don't think that the, the potential with the differentiation between expertise and focus and how it's, how it's nested under the, the uh, agility or the, um, the, the attribute, um, I don't think the potential for it really comes out until you've spent some experience on the character. You don't see yeah. it when you first make the character. You've got to spend some experience and spend some time adjusting either of those or both of those throughout different skills. I, mean, I think the idea, though, of being able to, you know, okay, I'm I'm pretty good at this skill, 
But when I'm successful, that is in terms of being successful. But when I am successful, I'm, I tend to be really successful. I think the idea of that with having the separate ratings sounds good. I don't really think it works out as well yeah. in practice. Um, but, um, yeah, one of the things that I think that will should stand out to people, and you were talking about the different stress tracks. You have physical, which is vigor, and you have mental, which is resolve. I don't just call that physical and mental. I don't know. Um, it seems like we created a category so we could put a column in the category, but each category only has one column. Like, why not just yeah. anyway? Um, and then under, you, you can take up to five physical wounds or five mental trauma. Both of those count as harms. This was one thing that actually, just in terms of terminology, it took me a while to wrap my head around. I felt like it wasn't very well explained. It just seemed kind of goofy to use, create all these different terms. But I think the, the standout-ish thing here, if you've not played this, is that it takes five, say, wounds on the physical side to knock you down. So Conan characters are really tough in combat. You can get beat up a lot and keep going. Um, another thing about it is that this system uses fortune, not determination. And so it's very, very meta in that respect. It's not tied to a, you know, your trade or your nature. You just, you know, Crom decides to sprinkle some goodness on you and you spend a fortune point. I, you know, I hadn't thought of the fact that education comes after the archetype. And that does seem a little odd in terms of like sequencing. And maybe this is our like contemporary 21st century view of like, you're born, you're born into a family that's your cast. Uh, you, you, you're in an area that's your homeland. And then you get educated and you pick up these experiences. Then you get like this formal, call it like identity in terms of your, your, your work. And then you go off and have experiences. But at the end of the day, the character the character works out. And if you want to play, and I don't want to jump ahead to story stuff or setting stuff much, but I do like how closely tied the, each step of the character creation system is to Howard's world. Yeah. It's really closely tied. There's there's no daylight. Like, you know, you you are from one of the lands that uh that's that's in the books. You you fill an archetype that fits a type of character that you would find in one of the books. Um, and that's one thing that they've, you know, I think gone out of their way to reassure people like this comes directly from the Howard literature and that's it. So um, everything's really closely tied to that. So I, I, I like that. I do think, again, I mean, you're right that this is this is like a savage fantasy mirror of um, infinity with a couple of differences, you know, talent trees and talents are, are organized directly under skills. And uh, so if you're familiar with that at all, you'd look at this and say, okay, it just has sandals and a lot of dirt and grime and no technology and we're good to go. It's, it's, it's by and large, for the most part, it's the same system. Yeah. One, one of the things you notice is you try and make a character if you're trying to make a sorcerer character this actually it's very very difficult to make a sorcerer character because we're not going to talk about sorcery much well today. i'm just going to mention it briefly because it's making a character but yeah like if you try if you want to make a non-magical character it's fine straightforward if you're trying to make a magical character and as it should be it should be quite difficult and it, it really is very difficult because like i've got a character i think uh, who had sorcery as their career skill and got the first level of the sorcery trial which is called true understanding 
But then you have to get the second level, which is patron. That still doesn't give you magic. It's not until you get your third talent right. in the talent tree, which is actually very hard to do in character creation. And even then, that would give yeah. you a single spell. So if you want a character that's like... Yeah, you're able to do... You're, you're able to do um, some alchemical yeah. things. And you're, you're and I, I, I like this because I think that this, again, is a, is a very... It's a, it's a clever expression of the canon through the system. A lot of the stuff that you can do early on is essentially like parlor yeah. tricks that, that the uninformed toothless peasants would take as being magical. Yeah. But in reality, it's like gunpowder, flash powder, and and you know, funny plants that make people pass out or something like that. So, um, yeah, it is. If you're looking for, I think that's a really a key point. I mean, sword and sorcery, as expressed through Conan, if you're looking to sling spells, and you're not willing to not have that as a central part of player experience, this is not the yeah. game for you, because that's just that's just not right. how it's made. You 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 know, magic. Magic is brutal. Uh, it's hard to, or sorcery rather, it's brutal. It's hard to learn, and it melts your brain. Yeah, I mean, it, it, essentially, uh, it's much easier to make a character who says they're a sorcerer, but actually they are, yes. like you said, they're throwing around smoke bombs. Or like I've made a character that is is a mesmerist. So they're basically doing, um, you know, confusing people. It's hypnotism. Yeah. yeah. Or you can be an alchemist yeah. or a herbalist or something. That's that's doable. Um, but actually yeah. doing someone who's properly doing full on full on magic like you might see in any fantasy you can do it but realistically you're not doing it with a starting character which is why no and you're you're going to probably it's more the realm of npcs which is actually what you probably want in a conan thing like you know conan never yes. went like i'm conan the sorcerer that was never a thing um he you know no, Conan always was always yeah. killing the sorcerers because in Conan, those who wield sorcery are doing, they're paying a horrible moral price and they're doing terrible things to access either terrible things to others or terrible things to themselves to access those powers. And so, you know, the kindly wizard just flat out doesn't <laughs> exist in Conan. You know, there is no dungeon master, you know, yeah. and not even like it. it, it yeah. So if you're looking for that, ain't gonna happen. Um, if you're looking for a character who's kind of a flimflam artist, yeah. who who says, you know, like I'm making magic, you know, that's that's terrific. But that's just the way. That's just the way. I mean, the world and that's works. why you know, because we've said one of the things that 2D20 is missing is a full-on fantasy game, and you yeah. know, people might go, "Well, you've got Conan." It's like Conan is. It might be referred to as sword and sorcery, but like it's a much more of the sword and very little. And the sorcery is the bad guys. True. It's like Dungeons and Dragons. The dragons are the bad guys. You're not playing as dragons. You're going into dungeons and you're fighting dragons. Well, that's what sword and sorcery is. You've got the swords, and the bad guys have the sorcery. Have the sorcery. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a great way to look at it. And so all of the characters, except for this small niche that you, again, you said it's really hard to step up into that. And then the, the long-term viability of a sorcerer as a PC really isn't there because of what it costs you and what you have to give up permanently to, um, to wield anything of power. Like that's why, again, yeah, Thulsa Doom is the bad guy. <laughs> Uh, the bad guy. So um, one thing I, I want to point out, a couple of more things on system. Uh, we're still dealing with challenge dice per infinity, where the fives and sixes, five, three, four, and five do nothing no, no, for you. Conan was the one that changed it. Yeah. 
Conan has the Conan. Conan doesn't have fixed damage dice. Uh, the fixed buff. Conan is where it changed. Oh, you're right. Which, that's well. That's right. the thing that's really weird because otherwise, you look at the, like the character sheets look really similar. You have the talent trees. Um, you still had expertise in focus. So much of Conan and Infinity is like the same. That's why we refer to them as sister games. But bizarrely, Conan changed the damage dice, and that was always the thing. Like, sorry, what yeah. now? So you know, I bought all these Mutant Chronicles combat dice, dirt cheap to use for Infinity. But I never had any Conan damage dice. I didn't get it on the Kickstarter. So I remember having to buy, like, I, I ended up buying blank dice and drawing on them. And then when John Carter came out, I deliberately got sets of dice in John Carter. Yeah. So I so I have got, so I have no Conan damage dice. I use my John Carter damage dice for that, which now I, you could use Star Trek, but it's really, it would really bug me rolling dice with the stars and the and the Federation symbol on in a Conan game. So I... I don't. I care. remember getting Scott yeah, to know. draw like twenty little sort of Conan Falcon things onto little dice in a sharpie because we wanted proper Conan the, dice. So it, it is good. I, I am glad. Yeah, I, I don't know why I looked at this table that's on uh, page ninety three of the the book, the paper page ninety three, and I glanced at it and I thought I saw the five also giving nothing. Yeah. So five and six, they do cause one damage plus an effect. So that is, this is yeah. the first call it like modern expression or use of challenge dice. And, um, and we do, and yeah, and, and fixed damage on equipment on weapons yeah. is gone. Now, gone. So that, that's the one that like infinity, in, in, infinity and mutant chronicles, you do have this nothing. If you can roll a properly rubbish roll and do no extra damage, but you always do base damage. Whereas yes. Conan in every game since, you can, in theory, roll zero damage. Could do none. It's unlikely, I actually, but you can do it. See, I like the combination of the two. I actually like a fixed damage, and I like five and yeah. six counting yeah. for something. But whatever. That, that's the way it is. That's when you house rule. Now, as for the Conan dice, uh, the Conan dice, I, I don't like dice that have lots of fiddly art and, like, squigglies. I can't read them, especially a D20. So I was like, no, I don't care. No. Uh, but the, but you're right that the um, the John Carter dice are are agnostic enough yeah. or like generic enough anyway that you know, most people are going to freak out. Like, to the D20 does, doesn't matter. I don't care what's on the D20. We I happen to you know we can use dice, but when it comes to the combat dice, it's so much easier to have like a one two effect effect rather than yeah yeah to remember it. True true. Um, so I quite like that. Uh, something else. Something else about this. Um, Conan buying additional D20s for advantage. They're one per. Yes. It was a Star Trek that changed that, which is why I never noticed, because I never even thought yeah. to read the rules when I got Star Trek or well, John Carter. You just assumed I just be assumed the same. It, was, it wasn't, and yeah. I think it was, I'd been playing both. It wasn't when I met you. I'd found out beforehand, but I pretty much I'd like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. In terms of other subsystems, obviously, like we said, there's, there's sorcery, and we're not going to go into a huge amount, because it is quite unlikely that players would use the sorcery rules. But you have a sorcery skill and you will take, essentially, that you'll resolve damage for using spells, potentially. And other bad, nasty things can happen, like sort of feedbacky, yep. awful stuff. Um, well, and you, you also have to, over time, you you permanently give up yeah. some points of resolve and other other things in order to get... And that's when you actually get into, yeah, like, real sorcery. Because you're not just reading something in a book. You're reading something in a book that gives you access to some kind of bizarre glimpse of a universe you're not supposed to look at or some creepy extra dimensional entity that you're not meant to look up. Um, so yeah, 
So sorcery is there. It's 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 challenging to use. I think it's challenging to use mechanically as well as story wise. But we'll deal with sorcery in greater depth yeah, another time. Some other time. Um, so then we have got these two. Well, one's a really cool subsystem, and one I completely forget ever exists, and then go, oh, I don't care. Um, the display—it's not called the dis- oh, displays. The stuff that it we is. did in our when we did the Conan. If you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it. We had quite good fun. Uh, whoever, whoever did I play as Conan? Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of. You were I, I forget which Conan yeah. the you chose, but you were like Conan the badass, but, and you stormed the beach and killed everybody and chased everyone else away and saved the girl from the clutches of the evil sorcerer who's going to sacrifice her on a rock overlooking like the beach. But you have these cool things called displays where you can do yeah. things like you cut a bad guy's head off and then you display it to your enemies and go look what I have done and the other people are like ah run away and like you know you can you can, if you build up your renown so it it is easier to do over time because you can sort of do it on the just Conan can just step out of the ship and go i'm conan and it goes oh just runs but you can also do it like if you can sever a bad guy's head or you kill a couple of people you can do these displays and i just absolutely love that subsystem it's 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 fun it fits the genre it's very conan um and it's not actually that complicated it is mostly like if you have done thing a you can now do this particular display you roll some dice and there's an effect whether it scares people or causes them mental damage or whatever it's it's, I'd love that. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's on. It's it's on page one twenty five of the of the book, uh, and it's it's called displays of might and power. And so they have like a mighty name, where you um, character's reputation alone is enough to make enemies hesitate. Requirement: the character must have a renown of at least three under normal circumstance requirements. This is persistent. The character isn't is either notorious enough for this to work or isn't, and it does that many um it does as many challenge dice damage at equal to the character's renown so that's cool because it's not only this attack but it's an attack based on something that's rooted it's a mechanical expression of something that's rooted in the story so it's all fine and good to say yeah your character's a badass like everyone thinks he's badass well okay story-wise that's great but what can i do with it that we could quantify well you step off the boat and you say, I'm Conan, and people run. But yeah, Dead Man's Stare, that's a good one. You brandish the severed head of an enemy at arm's that's length, good. raising the grim trophy high for all to see. This violent action, you think? Drenched in gore deters all but the most hardened foes. For extra emphasis, the head can be dropped dramatically, cast away as if refuse, or tossed into the hands of a hapless <laughs> target. I love that. Whoever wrote this needs to get a, a pat on the back. And you need the head of a toughened or nemesis enemy killed during that scene. It takes a minor action to sever the head to brandish it in this fashion. It's nice of them to break it down like that. But it, it, it's just it's a really cool way to to add an additional ripple to combat that makes it more than just well it's ranged or I'm clubbing you or I'm punching you or I'm using flash powder in your yeah. face or something like that. Like, what could you do based on how audacious and how crazy or just... And and the nice thing is not all of these are based in renown. So you don't have to show up to the fight already, this notorious tough guy. Some of these are based in things that you do right then and there. Like, how many enemies do you kill? And then you do something else that builds off of that, you know, audacious activity. So, yeah, I like displays of might and power a lot. It's a a neat subsystem. So then... The only, I mean, there's other, you know, there's other bits and subsystems. Really, but the other kind of one that stands out is so far I've only seen it in Conan, but as far as we understand, it is going to be in 
the new Cthulhu cohorts, whatever it's called, is there's this thing called, well, it's a combination of something called Reach and something called Guard. So essentially slightly more complex rules for melee. And I have to say, yeah. every time I play Conan, I totally forget it's even a thing. I just don't remember it. Yeah. And so I couldn't I couldn't tell you how it works because it's like I write down on the weapons on the reaches one, two, or three. And then I just I just forget in play every single time because it's not it's not yeah, big it enough to it. Like it's not a huge thing. And it's almost so small that it's easy to forget. And, I think, that, okay, in general terms, it's not a subsystem. It's it's yeah. just, it's an extra wrinkle in combat. And the idea is that under normal circumstances, your character is considered to have this status called guard, which means you're aware of what's going on around you. You have a weapon out. You're ready to defend yourself. And if you, there are circumstances under which you can lose guard, you lose this status, and then that can trigger opportunities for others' attacks against you. It's kind of like, in a way, I think it's a little bit in that respect similar to uh, like what would enable a rogue's sneak attack in 5e. The sorts of things that need to, or what, you know, back in like, you know, third edition, like what. What enables the flanking bonus in, in Pathfinder, that kind of thing. So there's guard, and then reach has to do with what kind of weapon you're using and how big it is. And reach can be, ha-ha, punny, a double-edged sword, because like if you have a spear, your reach is farther than someone who has a dagger. Well, I, mean, I, I can literally just read the rule, because, again, trying to work it out... Trying to read it, it makes no... It, trying to just kind of just explain it, it generally, it, it seems quite complicated. It's when I just go down to the actual math, the rule of it. So it says, if the defender has guard, then the difficulty of the attack increases by one step for every point the defender's reach is longer than the attacker's. So essentially, um, when you do an attack roll, it's just like difficulty one, which other games has changed. There's a lot of games where the melee is two or range is two or something. So this is your your difficulty is just one. So essentially, if you've got a if you're attacking with a reach one weapon against someone who's got reach two, your attack is one harder. And if they had reach three and you only had reach one, your attack would be two harder. Um, so that's when you're attacking. If you've got a longer reach weapon, there's no benefit at all. It's the, the benefit is it's the other way around. There's a disadvantage to attacking with a small reach against a long reach. This is the bit that I find a bit confused. I think it makes sense. If the defender's guard has been lost, so if you, for example, I, I yeah. don't know, I guess there's a thing you can do that knocks someone's guards away, and it says, like, if someone isn't aware, um, if the defender's guard has been lost, it's not worried about how, the attacker gains one bonus D20 for every point of reach less than the defender. So I guess in this situation, again, the, the guy with the dagger with reach one, right. if his reach is two less than the spear, let's say the spear is reach three, then he must get two bonus dice because he's, like, right in close. That's the bit where I'm like, well, gotcha. if they're not aware... So basically, if, if you manage to reduce someone's guard, you get two extra dice if they've got a spear, but if they've also got a dagger, then you don't get any benefit. Well, it, no, it depends on what they're armed with. I think, again, that this is one of these issues where if you like, if you're listening here and you you like fiddly, not, and I don't say this is a bad thing, but like fiddly combat, combat with lots of different variables if like pathfinder first edition combat or or something even more you know crunchier than that if that's your cup of tea this is the kind of thing that that can offer that uh because i think there is a logic to it you know if i have a dagger and you have a spear and i'm six feet away from you or eight feet away from you you have an advantage over me until i get within if i get three feet from you 
your spear is not as effective. And I think that they were trying to express that mechanically. And like so many, unfortunately, of their early books, it's not really explained very well. And, and in these early books, there is there an example of it in use there? No, I mean, that's the problem. It is literally. I mean, there tend to be never, ne there are never examples of it in play. It, it's easy to miss it. There's literally, it's, you know, it's not in a box out. There's, there's plenty of places where there's box outs for things. And this is just, it's a paragraph written on one page that is super easy to miss. It's, it's not where the attack stuff is. It's in, it's literally, it's like it's in the middle of the damage rules and it just suddenly throws it in and I just miss it. I just, I, I basically, I just end up not using it. I have used it sometimes when like my players have reminded me, but it, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another subsystem. I mean, this is I. I wouldn't call again. That's reach is not a subsystem. It, it's a wrinkle. It's one. It's an extra layer in this. Um, another subsystem, though, and this is a definitely. I mean, this fits the the bill of a subsystem in full. Is the experience and um, the, the it's called carousing, and it's yeah. it is the subsystem that. that's meant to. It's the meta system that is meant to form the connective tissue between adventures, because the default. And I find this interesting. Uh, refreshing in a way um and also it it, it kind of chafes against my norms of how i run games um where you know and i think the norm nowadays for most people is you run a camp you run a long-term campaign that ha that each story clearly articulates with the next and leads to the next like chapters in a book and the default the assumption for conan is that you're going to run this thing so, like, each adventure is just a separate thing, and the team comes back together two, three weeks, months later, somewhere else on the other side of the continent, and there really aren't a whole lot of questions about why, because that's how the Conan stories work. Like, Conan popped up, and he was in Shem, and then the next story, he pops up, and he's in Aquilonia, and no one asks, like, how the hell did Conan get there? Why? They're not even chronological. No. So the first book he wrote sort of starts with Conan mm -hmm. on the throat. And so, yeah, why bother? Don't get like bogged down in making books. this like perfectly. Yeah, he he wrote a bunch of stories about yeah. Conan, but they weren't they weren't necessarily in any kind of order. So the carousing um, system is meant to form this this buffer between adventures, and uh, I think it's really neat. We'll we'll do an, an episode just about that, but it involves it involves the the players deciding if their characters spend the time together or apart. There is some rolling that is meant to give you some ideas about what kinds of weird things you got involved in. And then there's also some uh, fallout consequences, benefits, whatever. It, it depends on how you roll that the GM can then use to, to move into the next story. Like, for example, a couple of years ago when I was a player in a friend of mine's Conan campaign, we did the carousing between and, and the thing that we rolled, we decided to stay together, our, our group. And uh, we rolled it like what we all got tattoos. <laughs> and and there was this there became this in-game argument over because it was like you know as a result of you know many nights of drunken debauchery and like the great idea of let's get a tattoo together and so it was this argument over whether the tattoo was a snake or a lightning bolt <laughs> because no one could tell because it was not a very good tattoo <laughs> and we all our characters all had them we were like we're, we're the team and you know Whatever. Uh, but it, yeah, carousing, I think, is a neat way to provide like an off ramp from a story, a little bit of something that you could add to your character to say, my character did this. 
but it's off stage, you know, or behind the curtain, and then a bit of an on-ramp to the next adventure without this, like, perfect articulation story-wise between them. So that's what, what carousing enables. And I don't think there are, I mean, all the other experience systems in the other games, they're all more traditional. Well, Star Trek's different in how you earn it and how you, you spend it, but the rest of them are all pretty traditional. You get some points, you improve your character. Anything else stand out about the system? Uh, no, I was trying to look here. There's something actually I've forgotten to say that we did Mutant Chronicles and Infinity, that in both of those games, equipment didn't have set values. If you wanted to buy stuff in both of those games, you had to like go into a role to can you find it and then another role to like yeah. how much. And then it would re- like if you spent too much money, it would reduce your sort of buying stuff stat a little bit. And if it was sort of within your sort of your lifestyle ability, then you could you sort of bought it and it didn't have an impact. Where it looks like Conan just went to straight your money, just currency. Well, but I'm um, well, no, I, I can't. Well, no, because no, well, yeah, okay. I'm looking at costs and it's got it's got numbers bigger than 30. So those, but I can't work it out looking at this. Well, here's here's the weird thing is that this is the way this is the way it works. So it's most common items, and I'm looking at page 135 in the book. Most common items are replaced as part of your character's upkeep, which is uh, yeah, no, part we've got of weird resource um, things still haven't. Yeah. However, obtaining something new or more significant, a fine new sword, a mighty Aquilonian steed, yada yada. Is one of is one goal of acquiring wealth. Um, in order to actually find something new or a different item outside your character's current range of gear, the game master must first set a difficulty represented yeah, by a variety of factors: thing. the area, rarity, quality, such and so forth. You make a society skill yeah, test. Yeah, so it's the same. Yeah, I, it's a very fuzzy. I, it's it it's very narrative, and it and the idea of gold is not gold pieces. It's far more conceptual yeah. than literal. I, I never, that was one thing I didn't really like in, in all three of these games. I never really understood the need for it. It was like a lot of the rest of the game was quite crunchy. And all this felt to me is actually, you're trying to be more narrative about how much money people have got so GMs don't have to go, oh, you've got exactly this much. Right, you're counting it, it. Yeah, You still had to count what your stats are. And then when you were buying stuff, it was so fiddly. Like, I just want to go, I, I want to look in the player's handbook and know that, you know, a, a flask of oil costs this much and I've got this much gold, so I'm done. Yeah. Um, and you kind of think, well, this they could have done that. And instead they've gone this other route, which actually just makes things, like going shopping just becomes so complicated. Um, and you think there was no... I, well, I think the hard thing about why. it is that it's, it, it is a very different approach because it's not meant... Like you said, you're you're not doing accounting. You're yeah. not doing that awful pathfinder going to the store and counting through a bunch of gold pieces and things like that. It's it it is meant to be more narrative. It does involve rolling. The idea of gold is more conceptual than literal. So that that can complicate things. I think this is one of these well, I, I guess you could call this a subsystem because it's a really different approach to to resource management in that respect. I think this is the kind of thing where you need to get your players to read these couple of pages, the rules, talk through them at the table if you're going to use them like this, because they are very different. Yeah. I just, than a I'm just never keen approach. on this kind of thing because the only advantage to me is yeah. you don't have to give people set money, but then actually that makes it awkward because playing how much we're getting paid for this thing, and you're like, uh, you know, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Some, yeah, a lot. It does matter. Not much. But it kind yeah. of means the players want to go on a spending spree. If they have good roles or someone's got a high stat or something, they can just go and buy tons of stuff, which 
maybe yeah. in other systems you wouldn't be able to. So there's, there's pros and cons of it. I've, I've never really been a fan, but I think right. it kind of takes, you need to have the right players to buy into the fact that they kind of, they just can't buy everything they want, even if their dice lets them. Whereas in D&D, that's not an issue. If you run out of money, you've, you've run out of money. You run out of money. So, yeah. it, it, you know, yes, so there's less bookkeeping in this, but it can get more fiddly when you, you know, you can't tell, can I actually afford something? And you think, well, that, that's a bit weird. Well, you know what? Well, what ends up happening is that it's based on, I mean, if, you know, the old joke was like D&D characters are murder hobos. Yeah. In Conan, your characters really are murder hobos. Yeah. Like you, you really are this quasi homeless adventurer type who just like lives by the skin of his teeth and guile and violence uh, moving from place to place. So whether something is affordable, whether whether you can afford something is based on far more variables than how much does it say it costs in the PHB and how much gold that no one asks you how you're schlepping it around. How much gold have you amassed? Um, this just takes a very different approach. So that's something worth reading into this resource management system, which is in like the 130s and 140s in the, the book. Uh, we need to, uh, that's definitely worth spending some time we on. We quickly talk about our setting in story. Um, I'd have to say, yeah. I, the, the book gives you a small snapshot of the things that are there. But one of the advantages of this is, I mean, it, it doesn't really say it in the book, but essentially you get like, oh, Stiggy is this, Stiggy is Egypt. And yeah. you, know, you go like, oh, oh Kitai, yeah, totally. or what, I don't know, Kitai's China. So actually a lot of it is, you can go. Aquilonia is not France. Yeah, it's it's yeah. relatively easy to go and find the places that a lot of this goes to, and also you've got you know you've got the Conan books and there's films and stuff. So the book doesn't do an amazing job of trying to sort of what some of the differences between these are. There's separate yeah. books that do that, all the expansion books, but there's enough other places you can go and look that it doesn't matter. You know, there's plenty of places on the internet that you can go and look. This isn't like yes. Newton Chronicles or Infinity where it's a really niche little thing. And the most, the best place to go for the resource and those are these role-playing books. Books. There's tons of stuff. You can go, go and read the Conan books by Howard. Um, yeah. You know, go and go and watch, you know, the Arnie films and, and so on. There's, there's other places you can go to, to get, to get the idea of it. Um, so I, I don't think the book's amazing on that, but actually it gives you enough in the, you know, the amount of page count it's got to, to let you go and play in those things. And actually, if you use the pre-written adventures in, say, Jewels of the Throne Earth, they tell you kind of the stuff you need to know yeah. anyway. But. Well, I think I think that it, you could come at this game from one or two general angles. Either you're a, you're a Howard Conan fan. Like, you've read a bunch of the Conan stories. You're already at least, you know, you're more familiar with what Stygia is like or wherever, you know, uh, the, the Bosonian reaches or marches or whatever it's called, you're already more familiar with that because you're a fan of Conan and you want to play a game that's built on that canon. So if you come to it from that angle, the core book will give you enough to remind you about these different places. And then in all the Conan the books, like Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Wanderer, Conan the Pirate, Conan the Exile, the King, the Mercenary, the Scout, the Thief. There's a heap of these books. Each one of those books details the regions in the Con in the Howardian world where those kinds of Conan stories took place, or some of those kinds of Conan stories took place. So the nice thing is there are there is a place, there are places you can turn and money you can spend to learn far more about these these different uh, these different places. If you're a person coming to this thinking, oh, hey, I would just like a, a different kind of fantasy flavor, 
and you're not really bent on, I really want to have adventures in Aquilonia. If you're not really bent on that and you're willing to, you know, make up locations of your own, then I think the, the core book is, is adequate in that respect. Yeah. Now, if you're like uber duber Howard fan and you want to read all the crunchy bits about these different places in that world, then you're going to want to buy a heap of these Conan the books yeah. because that's where the, the deeper world detail is. Again, if you haven't really got a good idea of what should happen in a fantasy game, it seems unlikely, but the, the book doesn't give you a lot of different sort of background or ideas of what like players should be doing in a Conan game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, they like hacking up stuff. the classic, there's a guy and he's stolen a princess and there's the cult thing is going to bring him. Um, but the, you know, there's enough that the, the GM screen actually comes with one of the really cool things. They've stopped doing the random adventure generator, which therefore can give you plenty of ideas. You know, again, read the books. Each of the, the Conan, yep. the source books actually tends to have a whole section on doing that. So like the Conan, the thief thing has a whole thing on doing heists. The Conan, the mercenary has the whole thing on running a mercenary yep. campaign. Conan the King has things on running your kingdom. So the barbarian has like raiding villages. There's a sub, they, each of those Conan the books introduces a sis, a subsystem that's relevant to that flavor of Conan stories. Yeah. I think that's a, a slick way to make those books more than just more source material and content. They give you more system. I, I re- those books are really good because they do give you, they give you sort of some new character options and then they give you some new, uh, they give you a bunch of the background on the different places and then they give you a subsystem. What's a no when you're like, well, I really want this subsystem, but I'm not interested in these parts of the world. <laughs> and so sometimes I, I, slowly yeah, over time, I've ended up just anyway. buying like all of the, I think I'm sort of only missing two books at this point, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, get the PDF packs where all of them are in it yeah. and you can get loads of it. And if you can get hold of those, so when they're on sale, they're really good value. But um, the, the Conan range as a whole, I think is really good. And unlike Infinity and Music Chronicles, they are still producing for it because they've released yep. sort of, they've released short adventures and they've released a couple of two new big adventures in the last year. So I don't know if they've still got the license, they can still do it. But, you know, it's, it's only recently that the, uh, I know, Shadow of the Source or what it was called campaign came out. So hopefully they are yep. still doing Conan stuff because Conan seems like it. pretty cool. It's a, it's, it's a cool sale. In terms of what kinds of stories you would run in this, unless you need to have lots of magic used by players or magic that is at its root generally benign, the magic itself is benign and it's how it's used or by whom it's used for what purpose, that determines whether it's good or bad. No, sorcery is just, it's inherently bad. And if if that's not the vibe you want, then either you need to change that wave that away within this and 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 you'd have to work on some of this the subsystem for sorcery to make it not so ruinous to the wielder or you need to find another game but beyond that uh if you want to have characters that are using like spell slinger type characters this is probably not will probably not be to your liking if you're happy to have a band of i don't know what you'd call them like cutthroat thugs and (laughs) What cutthroats, cutthroats, thugs, and psychopaths uh, <laughs> who 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 slash their way across a continent, and you're not too worried about like, well, I'm going to run a you know first through fifteenth level campaign, that kind of character progression. It's like no, I 
if you wanted to have make one character and say this is my character and like he's good at sneaking around he's kind of like a a, a tough thief okay great and you want to you know climb up the outside of a tower and steal stuff great and then you're like mm, you know what it'd be cool if you were a pirate sometimes yeah. or like in a pirate style campaign this is perfect if you want to bounce around and put your character in in very different contexts uh this world is is ready for that I'd say as well, if you're a big fan of sort of like, I mean, it's really going back now, but like the old Hercules and Xena warrior princess TV yeah. shows, they they were warriors. Okay, Hercules was quite strong, but they they were just warriors and most of their friends yeah. were warriors. And most of the people, yeah, occasionally they fought against gods, but there's rules in here for stupidly powerful things. So mm -hmm. you can have things that are that on kind of power level. But the point is the good guys were basically just sort of normal people that were well-trained and well-skilled. Uh, you know, and they did an adventure of the week thing there. I mean, they, I don't think they worried about which town Hercules is in one week and next week. They just wandered around yeah. getting into fights. Just there, because that's what the story wants. Yeah, so, you know, very much can do that, would be able to do that kind of thing relatively easy. You just wouldn't have all the right kind of monsters because you've kind of, you know, this is weird, old school, and then kind of Cthulhu-esque monsters, not uh, yeah. not Greek myth, but... Yeah, and I, I think, too, the the the... The selection of books uh, beyond just Conan the, you know, there is a book of of monsters that's, uh, what is it, Horrors of the Hyborian yeah. Age. There's a great book called Nameless Cults, which is just all about cults and all the awful things they do. Uh, there's a great book, um, what is it, it's like ruins and ancient yeah, ruins or something. I mean, the magic book, there's a book, magic book was a book of Skelos, it's, yeah, there's some more magic stuff in it, but it has kind of the adjacent things like the, the mimetism yep. I talked about, like the herbalism, like all the kind of like your guy wants to be do magic but can't. So here's all the other kind of yeah. magic stuff. Sure, you all things you can, um, yeah, ancient cool. ancient ancient ruins and cursed cities actually has a uh, a ruin generator in it. That's really neat, and I think could be useful for any game. I mean, yeah, the the line has a ton of support. There's a book of adventures, uh, what is it, um, Jeweled Thrones of the That's Earth, it. and then there are two separate campaigns, yeah. Wavestay and Crimson, and then what's the one that is? I think Shadow of the Sorcerer, something like that. So, yeah, so they're two different full campaign books and then a book of adventures. So, you know, when it comes again to story, if you don't know, like me, I actually didn't know a whole lot about Conan outside of the two Arnold movies, and then I read a bunch of the books I read a you know a ton of the short stories after I got the game, and um, I still don't consider myself to be like steeped in Conan. And so the nice thing about it is that either you can ignore that, or if you want to do something that you could say, well, this probably feels like Conan. There's a book of adventures, and there are two campaigns that are out there. So there are there are there are guides that you could jump right into and take this system and, and start telling stories that Modiphius at least says based on their Howard experts that they keep talking about. Um, yeah, the only real one right that kind of goes away from age. that is um, the Conan the Monolith source book. Kind of gives you rules for how to use the board, which is a board game, which is fair yes. enough. Then and then Conan Exiles literally is. Oh, they've got a new one, Age right. of Conan. So Age of Conan was based on another yeah. computer game. Um, but a, a Conan Exiles is literally, it's a survival computer game. And they've gone, right, here's rules for doing a survival game in in Conan. So there's nothing in there, yeah, it's, it's, which is sort of the the non-Howards. Oh, there's a few bits, I suppose, but well, it gives you a different though, way of like playing the, You have what they consider to be, look, if you want to stick within the guardrails of Howard Cannon, do this. 
oh, if you like this board game, we've got a way that you can riff yeah. on that to do this and this video game and this other thing. So that, that I that that's nice. It, it it gives you options on how you want to express your Conan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we played it, we we had fun with it. When I've run it um, as demos or just like one-offs, it's really easy as a one-off game. Um, just because of the nature of it, you know, it's it's mainly of combat char- combat and like thieving and stealth characters. That's primarily. Although there are a lot of wrinkles and ripples that you can differentiate yeah. those. Um, you know, the, the the game that I played in, we had four or five uh, players, and um, and the characters were all different enough that it didn't feel like you get into combat and you'd be like, oh, it's the same thing over again. It wasn't so niche as 5e or 4e rather with the roles yeah so yay conan yay conan yeah the only the the bummer about conan the only bummer about it is that i don't have enough time like i'm running star (laughs) trek right now and i would like to play conan or run it but you know it's it's the time and so i have this giant stack of conan books that are really good and the art in them the layout of them i think i i like them as all the conan the books all those world books are really neat um I think if you're interested in the game, pick up the core book. If you like the core book, just go grab a Conan the book that sounds most interesting, and you'll get this other narrower but much deeper view of a, of an aspect, a place in the world, but also stories attached to that place. It's, it makes the game, I think, pretty accessible. Yeah, I really like the way they've done that. Well, cool. What I'll do then is I'll expect updates about your Conan game or your, your Conan-ish game. Yes, the Exos thing was funny because I was like, we can do this or this or this or there's the Conan Exos thing. And both of them went, yeah, let's do the Exos thing. And I was like, ah, well, I've just made the effort to go and buy the last two the books I don't have for background, which I now do not need because we're just in some nameless desert valley. Great. I was like, right, well, we're playing in the League of Legends universe because you guys don't know the difference anyway. Because whether it's Aquilone, it didn't make any difference to them. It's literally like you are like you've been abandoned in this thing and exiled from this country. Whether you've been exiled from Aquilonia or you've been exiled from Noxus, it doesn't make any difference to them because they don't know what either of those mean. So you're going to put like, sandals on and hack up things. Yeah. So that's that's what's Not happening. Hack them up. You're going to hack them up. Yeah. So far, we've hacked up a, a, a wounded deer and a crocodile. <laughs> Lovely. The crocodile was hard work. Lovely. Well, at that point, the, our weapons were a bone knife, a stone knife, uh, some rocks, and a branch. So the crocodile was really hard. So they were limited, yeah. Yeah, it was, that, was, that was hard going. Yeah. Uh, oh, and some bandits. All right. I'm going to put a, I'll put a link to the, uh, some of the, the, the quick start, and I think they have the, the free RPG day. Uh, the, there's a quick start for Conan, and then there's a free RPG day scenario. They're different scenarios. They're both good. Um, if you're interested in learning the game, obviously you can get the rules there, the basic rules, and both those scenarios are are good. There's lots of opportunity for like Conan's what felt like Conan style action. Both those, so I'll put links to those in the in the notes. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash Fluff and Crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.